0: He grabbed the flashlight. He started blinking this flashlight at this uh, craft. And so we walked up into this empty lot, which was right above my house in my backyard. So this UFO was hovering right over my backyard, about 70 feet up. And so we stood there looking at this thing and we pinched each other because we couldn't believe what we saw. Well, what we saw was a a disc object that was about 30 feet wide. It looked like it was about like 10 feet tall, and it was kind of like, at the bottom, it was blackened. There was windows in it. Touched my buddy on the shoulder and said, man, I hope they don't look out. I don't want to see what they look like.
1: Alien abduction is something we talk about on the show frequently, but unless you've been there and done that, it's really hard to understand how it changes the direction of someone's life. Tonight, Dave Emmons gives us a view into his world. A world of alien visitation, abduction, and the unexplained. That and more is coming right up on My Alien Life. My Alien Life is recorded live from atop the northern Rocky Mountains and is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere fine podcasts are found. My website is at www.myalienlifepodcast.com. There, you will find my email address, all previously recorded shows, and more. I am Cameron Brower. This is My Alien Life, and the podcast starts right now. Tonight in the studio, I'm joined by Dave Emmons, who will share his alien life and experiences. Dave has had some very unique sightings and interactions with extraterrestrials for decades now. Dave Emmons, thank you so much for sharing and welcome.
0: Thank you, Cameron, and uh, thank you for having me on your show.
1: You bet, man. It's nice to finally meet you, hear your voice. Um, You and I, we've been communicating now for a few months and, and you've let me in on some of your few of your amazing life uh experiences and and give first of all give our listeners just a couple of minutes of who you are and um, what you do and and why we're talking tonight
0: okay I started it was in high school uh, when I was 14 years of age I saw my first uh, UFO
1: where, where I did you where did you grow school?
0: up Dave in in Alton Illinois gotcha and I graduated from high school uh, on the honor roll. I have a 138 IQ. Uh, so, and then I and then I went to the military. I got in there and I was able to take any anything I wanted. I, I, I performed so well on the test that I was able to pick and choose anything. So I went into nuclear weapons. So it took me six months to get a top secret security clearance. Once I got that, I went to Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, I took classes there. I didn't like it. I was only 19, but I ready to turn turned 20. And I didn't really like it because every weekend we had military intelligence people ask us questions, give us cigarettes and talk to us. And I, I figured, well, I'm gonna end up in Sandia in some underground tunnel there. And at that age, I was a little afraid of that. So I, I actually went to the post chaplain to get me out of the class because I had an 89% average. And most of these guys in the class had master's degrees. And I was was the only high school student in there, myself and another guy. And we were the only two uh, without the master's degree. And these guys, and I I hung in there as long as I could, and I I thought I did a good job, but I didn't like it. So I got out of that. I went into another training and I ended up in Vietnam. I was a platoon sergeant. And then at the end of my my stay in the military, before I got out, they were gonna give me a commission, lieutenant. Uh, So I didn't take that, I didn't stay in. Uh, that was another turn in the road that I took, but I, I didn't like that. After that, I, I got out and worked, went to school part-time and then I played music about three nights a week. So I was working and playing music and going to school for about all through the 70s and, uh, and part of the 80s. And I got five years of college, journalism. and I got into being an electrician. I had I managed businesses, small businesses, and then I got into owning my own. Uh, restaurant, nightclub—that didn't work out so well for me. So I went and worked for a refinery. I was a lead person there, a supervisor, and did did all right there. And then I got out of that, and then I went and worked with uh, with another small business. Uh, and then I and then I went into the Red Cross and done some work there. I've done a lot of work with the Red Cross. But overall, uh, that's part of my background, and journalism is, is part of it too because I love taking pictures. I've taken a lot of pictures out west in Sedona, and I I love music, of course, and I, I love all the other things that everybody else would like, but, but apparently, the ET started on me early, and I was 14 years of age with another buddy who was 13 at the time, uh, one of my best friends, and uh, we saw this thing, and I can start telling that story if you're ready.
1: So, basically as far as you know, you started experiencing, um, alien visitation, um, seeing UFOs at right around your, your early teens, 14 years old.
0: Right. That's, that's right. I was, uh, for everybody who's trying to figure out my age, I was in 1963.
1: So not that long ago. <laughs> 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 that, that's, that's, that's okay, like, right? that, that's like the, the height of, of UFO activity back then and, and, you know, I was born in 19, 1965 in Montana and, you know, in the in the mid-70s, the 60s, mid-60s through uh, the mid-70s, you know, it was, it was a big deal. So what was your first experience like?
0: All right. This was a, a, a warm summer evening. It was about 1030 at night. My buddy and I were sipping on a Pepsi, a glass bottle Pepsi, that is. And we listened to 10 transistor radio and we heard the radio starting to snap and pop. And I asked my friend, I said, did you change batteries? He said, oh, yes. He said, nothing's wrong with it. And then I smelled something that smelled like sulfur. And later on, I'll tell you what that really is. After I, uh, after some years of uh, looking at it and researching, I found out that it was ozone. But we smelled the smell. And then we saw these two white lights. They were two bright uh, lights. They didn't light up at the, uh, the neighborhood at all. There wasn't any lights. I think they were coming in. They were, they were really low. It was only about 75, 70 feet up. And so we went up on the street. We were downstairs where he had a, a basement apartment with his dad. And we went up, upstairs on the street and then he grabbed the flashlight. He started blinking this flashlight at this uh, craft. And so we walked up into this empty lot in which was right above my house in my backyard. So this, UFO was hovering right over my backyard, about 70 feet up. And so we stood there looking at this thing, and we pinched each other because we couldn't believe what we saw. Well, what we saw was a, a disc object that was about 30 feet wide, looked like it was about 10 feet tall, and it was kind of like at the bottom it was blackened, like maybe it comes through the atmosphere, and that's where the sulfur smell, the ozone smell uh, happened. Ozone happens when you when you have heat coming through the atmosphere, and there's... There's H2O, carbon dioxide, uh, carbon monoxide, and nitrogen and hydrogen that all burns in the atmosphere. So that makes up ozone when it comes through. So that's what I figured out later. But this thing looked like a, a bubble top, like these kids, these old-time tops that you took and you you wound them up by pushing down on a on a uh, I guess it was a it was a screw-looking device that you you drove the the top and you spun it and you let it go. Well, it looked like that, kind of like a chubby flying saucer. It had three layers. Uh, the first layer was, of course, where the dark uh, area was at the bottom. And then the second layer, there was windows in it, courts uh, that they can look out of. And I touched my buddy on the shoulder. I said, man, I hope they don't look out. I don't want to see what they look like. Uh, we were both a little afraid. And... So we, we stood there for a little while longer, and we looked at it, and we both were telling each other what we were seeing to make sure that we were both seeing the same thing. And and we did. And at the top, there's a little bulb at the top, and it had two uh, antennas sticking out of the top. And then there was a little red light towards the top. And so we, he heard a hissing sound. I didn't pay any attention to the hissing sound. I guess I was locked into the to the uh, portal, to the window. And I was you know waiting to see what was in this craft. Well, we stood there for a while and we we lost track of time. From 10:30 until about midnight, we don't really we don't we, still to this day we talk about it when we get together and we'll mention that and then we we still can't figure out uh the time, uh, uh, an hour and a half, or, or whatever it was, in that time, because when we walked, when I walked in the house, my mom was mad, and I told her, I said I saw a UFO, and she said, I'll UFO, your butt, you get the house househead <laughs> in Los Angeles." So it was late. Good answer. Uh, and and there and that was one of the points that uh, I told you about the negative report I got. That was one of the points I had because my mom, she believes in UFOs because the family has had. UFO sightings in her backyard, and she said she has seen things in her lifetime. She's seen, like, uh, tall, dark figures walking into her room uh, and things of this nature. So the the negative report I got is, well, why was she upset with you when you come in when you said about UFOs? I said because she wasn't upset about the UFOs. She believes that. But she warned us not to get around or go outside because UFOs were prevalent. You and I just spoke about that back in the 50s. Uh, they were a lot of people were afraid of them. They didn't know what they were. So uh, to finish off what, what we were seeing, this this thing never nobody ever looked out, but we felt like something must have happened uh, because of those uh, lost uh, times from 10:30 to about midnight, and also the fact I redrew that that incident, and uh, it's funny how if you take pictures or if you redraw something. Then it all comes back to you. Well, this thing was actually, we were facing it towards the southwest. And when it took off, it took out due west. We didn't see it move about what was it, about 60 degrees, something like that. We didn't see it move uh, consciously. We didn't see it move. But it, when it took off into the clouds, it took off straight west. So it must have made some movement or, or whatever, and we didn't see it move. And that was one of the questions I had also about that incident. So him and I still to this day, we talk about it, and he became a police chief. And I, of course, you heard about my background. But uh, both of us are, are, neither one of us lie. Uh, we, we were pretty forthright and honest. So uh, his story and my story matched up. but Like I said, we still can't figure
1: out the lost time. So at that time, did you both um, agree that you're seeing something from... Another planet, another another dimension, another time. Uh, did did the word flying saucer? Did the word alien come up? What was the discussion like when you're seeing this?
0: We we said with was a flying saucer. Uh, we of course we we watched the horror movies on you know it comes from Mars and stuff like that. and we saw the flying saucer, we knew what it was. We from the movies. Uh, <laughs> you if you can take that, you know you can take that with a grain of, of salt, whatever, but. We knew it was a flying saucer. We, we both kind of detailed it together, what it looked like, uh, and, and the lost time and everything. So yes, we called it a UFO. We knew right at first we knew what it was because we pinched each other to see if we were both seeing the same thing and, and how odd it was. In 1963, we didn't have the advanced aircraft that we do now. Uh, now they're talking about the TR-3, uh, triangle craft being a, a military craft. Uh, it could be, uh, mistaken for a, a, triangle UFO craft or ET craft. Uh, but back then there, there wasn't any technology that would do that. Uh, the, didn't have no sound. It was 70 feet above and it was, it was low. And I'm, I'm sure that something happened and I had a regression. I didn't have much of a regression that I know of, unless I, I go back, uh, and I I had a couple of things happen that in my in my dreams in which were regressed. I don't like hypnosis. Uh, I had a, a, a an experienced uh, hypnosis uh, person uh, try to hypnotize me, and it backfired. Uh, she was the one who got hypnotized. But getting back to the regressions, I, I usually get like bits and pieces. They can erase your, your memory and, and how they do it. I might get into that later and I, I've seen how they do it. Uh, they can't get everything. Sometimes there's bits and pieces that you'll, you'll have a dream. So I had a dream of being on this metal table. It was shiny and I was sitting there really groggy and I, I was trying to put on a shirt. The shirt was too small for me. I was a chubby guy and my friend was skinny guy. So I, we, they had our shirts mixed up. So I was trying to put on his shirt, and finally, apparently, we both got our clothes together and, and uh, we got dressed, and we we ended up in the same place, standing there in that empty lot, not knowing what happened. And we we looked at each other, and and, and uh, my friend said, "I'm gonna go home and tell my dad," and, and I said, "Yeah, I want to tell my mom." And so uh, we we took off and went home. And that's when you know I got in trouble, and, and I guess uh, they they told him to go on to bed. Uh, Sudden, you're seeing things. You know, back then, a lot of people didn't really. We got about forty, forty-five percent of people who believe in UFOs now. Back then, it wasn't really that prevalent. There wasn't enough media covering it, like Ancient Aliens or radio programs like like this one here. But we knew we saw something really special, and that that was something that stuck with us all of our lives, and still does. If he was here with me. He'd, He'd tell you the same story, and, and uh, but I always have to have backup facts. Needless to say, it's some of the negative things that can be said about people having these experiences. You can't prove it, and you know who I'm talking about. Don't want to mention names, but this happened to to me about a month later. I this was in my left testicle. I I went. I looked down, and I felt something round underneath the skin. And I noticed a, a thin red line that looked like it was kind of cut. Very I guess it was just really thin. And I, I thought, okay, maybe I can push what that is out through that that thin line and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and I finally got it out. It it kind of it was in a tan ash color and it was about the size of a small, I guess, M M&M, and M, one of these real small ones. Uh and it it was like a disc shape itself. And I had it in my hand finally. And didn't, there wasn't any blood. No blood was coming from it before or after, after I pushed this, this thing out. And I showed it to my mom and I said, mom, I got this out of my, uh, well, my sack. But she says, oh, throw that away. That's probably just an embedded blackhead. I said, no, mom. And she looked at me funny. I said, there was a cut line in it. I said, a red line that was cut. With this thing went in through that red line and I got it back out through that red line and then she looks at me funny and she goes throw it away anyway so I think what happened was that she was thinking that okay that UFO stunt she thought I played about a month earlier and and this thing this implant whatever she didn't want to scare me by coming out and talking about it she just said throw it away and and go on go on out and play whatever you're going to do and she was kind of, I saw that she was kind of dumbfounded. I, I, I even asked her to this day. She's 92 years of age, and uh, she's seen several UFOs herself, like I said. So she asked me, and she just, we were just talking this afternoon. Uh, she asked me that I should keep doing radio about UFOs. So that's how much she's into this. But I was told by one other interview, uh, since you know this, this person, I won't say names, but uh, said why why would your mother be mad if she saw uFOs Well, I just explained to you why she didn't want to scare me by her stories. She never told me these stories until later on in life, so this is how I found out about it, and that's why she's interested in me doing uh u f o talk radio uh to get the word out
1: absolutely you know and I understand that i don't really like to talk about that subject at all with my kids. you know, I kind of keep that separate, but um you know, so this is, this is sort of my outlet as well. And I was thinking when you were telling this story, um, when you and your buddy first spotted this craft, uh, you, you hung in there, right? I mean, you just, you stayed there, you watched it. Was there any fear involved?
0: Right. Yeah. We didn't run. Uh, I don't know if we could have run if we had to or not, uh, we were just stuck there. And it seemed like, uh, I don't know. There was a funny feeling that come over me. And, and now after being dumbed down by, uh, magnetic energy, I know what that is. I, I, know now I can look back on my other incidents after I figured out what they do to you and how they do things. So it's, uh, after you've been through, I've seen five up close UFOs. I can get to each one of them. But in between time, there's always something that has to happen for me. Uh, now that I'm a, I, I was a trained journalist that I always have to follow up and make sure something else happens that proves the first point. You have to have a secondary fact for me. Even some of the incidents I've had, like the first UFO I saw when I was 14, the follow-up incident was that little that little implant in, in my testicle. And that was a follow-up uh, fact that, that told me I was on board ship. I got implanted there uh they might have taken semen samples i I guess at that time i was i was of age uh but they they might have done other things blood tests whatever i didn't notice any marks as a kid you don't pay any attention to marks because we run through blackberry patches and everything back in those days we were we were kind of like city kids but we my dad was a country boy so we we more or less grew up country with him and we'd go hunting and we'd go we'd go through the briar patches and so we got had all kinds of marks on it so we didn't pay any attention to the marks. uh matter of fact i wouldn't have known to look for any marks at that age so these are things that, that is uh, hard to prove when you look back at it. i'm just glad i got a, uh, a witness uh myself and my buddy on the first uh ufo sighting i've had
1: that's incredible yeah it's uh you know we did grow up with a you know especially me where i grew up it was we were probably playing outside most of our lives, you know, it wasn't like kids now where, where you, you're you in, indoors most of the time, but, uh, you know, back in the day, um, you'd come back in, you're all cut up, you're bruised, you're, you're beat up, but, but you had this, this, this lost time, which was like an hour and a half or something like that. Um, any indication, any regression from that? And do you feel that that's when the implant happened or was it later on?
0: Okay. Uh, the, the regression I had didn't come until about, I'd say about 25 years later. This is kind of weird. And I didn't figure out it was the regression from that time or, or not. But I, I went, I, I ended up in another world. It had two suns and it had green trees like evergreen. And it was kind of like, looked like earth and it had a river. And I, since I played drums, even at an early age, I, I kind of knew what drums were, but when I saw this set of drums in this apartment-like building, and it was an apartment-like building that housed people that worked in a mine, some kind of a mine, and I saw that the drum uh, mechanical devices were different than what we had uh, here on earth. I walked out, after that, I walked out of that room, and I walked down this, this plank in the stairs and I sat by this young girl and so this told me that I was young at the at that age too and then I saw these other younger people kind of playing in this in this uh, lumber yard or whatever I looked to my left and I saw these guys come up out of the ground they were walking up out of the ground and they had this black car substance on them and I thought wow what where am I at and I saw these two sons and I I turned to this girl, probably in fear, because the first thing come to mind was, I asked her, do you believe in God? And then when I asked her that question, she looked at me funny, and then she looked over my head, and I turned and looked, and there was a guy dressed in black. And I didn't notice he had a hat or not, but he, he was dressed in black. He motioned for me to come over to him. So I walked over to him, and he says, walk down that plank, and he says, you, you have to go now. And so I walk down the plank and then I, I come back to myself in bed. But this was 20 something years later that I had that regress dream. I have a ledger, got about 260 pages of notes, typewritten uh, notes that I, that I keep. And I think about writing a book. I still might do that. Uh, I'm not, that's why I'm not selling any book here on, on the air. Uh, I don't have a book just yet, but I do have the manuscripts uh, ready to go. But that dream, what was, was, had to have been a regressed dream that this, whatever happened, took me to another planet, just even for an hour and a half. An hour and a half here could be like three days in outer space due to the time differences. Uh, you've probably seen some movies, Cameron, that, that these, sure. these people would go into outer space and they would spend maybe they thought was a year and they come back, you know, it, it ends up being 50 years. So there is no, Time element. There's a different time element, or whatever, when you, as further you go out in space. But I knew that uh, there was something special about that, and I had people tell me if you ever have ever had a dream that you were on a planet with two suns, then you actually were on that planet uh, for some reason. Some of these uh, the spiritualists, or some of the people who told me this, said that that's, that makes it a fact that you've been there because there was two suns. Uh, that's a I guess that's a given in, in some people's uh, terminology, but I didn't, I didn't really know. But I, I knew that when the guys walked up out of there, they looked human and they had this black stuff all over them and they were mining something. Uh, I don't know if it, it didn't look like coal. It looked like tar or whatever. I don't know what, what they were mining, but that was one of the regress dreams that I had. It might've coincided with the age that I was at 14 when I saw my first UFO.
1: Interesting, Dave. So, what do you think they wanted? I mean, why? Obviously, they show up. Um, took a lot of effort to get there, right? And um, a lot of fuel, whatever they, you know. Well,
0: I mean, a lot of element I, I 115. Can't... But
1: what do they want when they get there?
0: Well, to tell you the truth, they don't have to travel that far. I think they're using wormholes, and dimensional jumps, uh, because there's a lot of dimensional stuff that goes on. And I've got some other things uh, that that's happened. And and stuff that happens to my wife and I all the time, uh, some weird things that go on. And which tells me, Grant Cameron has a, he's doing a study on a These are little things that you get that, that come out of nowhere. You find them at your feet. And I have four plastic discs that I found, two of them in Illinois, two in Fairbanks, Alaska, when my wife went to work up there for the DOD in, you know, in the uh, energy area and she was a consultant. So I went with her up there. We spent two years up in Alaska and I found two discs up there. So it doesn't matter where you go, they follow you wherever you go. And I've had other things like little rocks show up. I picked the quarter up one time and then the next day it was in my car on the floorboard. And the next day I went there, there's a pretty little rock setting in place of that quarter. And I thought, where did that come from? And it, these are these are aports that uh, I, I don't know if you know Grant Cameron he's doing sure. a big study on that yeah and I'm interested in his findings he just posted something on Facebook and I I told him I said I'd I'd like to know you know what your final uh, you know he's doing some experiments now and I, I told him I want to know about this uh, this paranormal stuff that happens like A-ports coming through dimensional uh, he actually was saying alluding to the fact that people who that who are abducted get this third eye energy and it actually turns into telekinesis and you're actually drawing these things through the dimensional barrier uh, that's interesting I want to find out more about that because I still have several thoughts about that uh, that aliens could be planting on there uh, aliens can be invisible why they come here one of the questions you ask I get, I, I get blowing wind here uh, why I think they come here I think there's uh I'd say five or six species that are working with our government and they're working with them and they're feeding them technology and they're allowing us they're allowing them to have some freedom uh doing uh, you know, I guess physicals on it and taking DNA. And and the 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 Grays and the Nordics have a, have a big play into this. They're the ones who actually you've heard of uh uh, back in, the, back in ancient Iraq, Sumeria, uh, and an Anunnaki, uh, those 65,000 years ago, they started experimenting with our DNA. So they're the ones who made modern land. So they're actually watching us and in a way protecting us because one of the, uh, I guess defense, uh, people out of Canada, I can't think of his name, he's the one who, said there's something like 50 something species of aliens who've visited this planet and only about five or six of them are working with us so they're actually protecting us in a way and we're, we're kind of a uh, I guess uh, a, a project that they, they put together and that they have to come here and check on our DNA and they keep track of us uh, it's, it's weird some people ask why certain families and why others because I think they're following a DNA line that they're checking on and see how how it evolves. Uh, So that's part of the theory that I'm thinking that they're doing. And they don't want us to blow each other up. It's quite obvious because of some of the sightings they've had over nuclear missile facilities in which they actually shut down all the electronics. So they don't want us to be playing with nuclear weapons.
1: So you don't think that uh, this is a super technology that's coming to visit us to check up on our technology. It's more of a more of an experiment of, of what we are and what we've become rather than you know what they can get from us. Techn- technologically. Oh,
0: they, they keep track of, Well yeah they keep track of our technology. That's one of the important things they do. And that's why they watch uh, the space station and they've seen a lot of uh, UFOs up there.
1: Don't you think that uh, would be they, uh, you know a real dull technology for something you know so advanced?
0: Could you repeat that? I, did, I didn't get that
1: camera. Wouldn't you think that that would be such a dull technology for for a species that's so advanced technologically? A dull. A dull. D u l l. Yeah. We. I mean, unimpressive. Let's let's put it that way. Um, oh yeah,
0: so yeah. It, it would be unimpressive to them, but they're keeping track of our. Of our evolution right. and, and technology and and our DNA, so that's that's why they're keeping track of us. We're we're kind of like I, I guess uh, somebody put it like we're in an aquarium and they're watching us. And they created all these these different uh, animals and uh, like Noah's Ark. Uh, there's a lot to talk about when you go back in time. I have a lot of theories on on that. Uh, they're only theories. Everybody has theories and everybody has an opinion, I guess. So. My my opinion can only come from my experiences, uh, but that's that's what I, where I'm at with it. I, I think they're they're just watching us. They're taking DNA from us. Uh, some people say, well, their their race, their civilization is dying out. They need new blood or new DNA, to, you know, to make the hybrids. And the hybrids right now, I think uh, they're making hybrids. With us human beings, and we're evolving. And as we evolve, these hybrids one day, and and it's it's a gradual change. We're not even noticing it really. It's like uh, technology is, is is expanding and growing and evolving, and we're not paying much attention to it. But you can see these five, six-year-old kids who can play these, these pianos like Mozart, and and they can sing, and they and they can they can do computers, and they're and they're really smart. This is we're evolving. There's more and more of that going on now, and so it has to be with the DNA changes and and with us evolving. So they're keeping track of that. That and that that'd be my my opinion, I guess, uh, from from my
1: experiences. You mentioned the government. Um, do you feel the government is is fully knowledgeable about this, or you know, in my opinion, I think the government is in the dark just like we are. But you don't think that. So exactly what do they know, and what part of the government knows this information?
0: Okay, uh, I don't know. I can't remember his name. It's the he, he was a defense official in Canada. Uh, was it Hotmire or something like that? Uh, he's the one who came out and disclosed this information that that the governments know uh, the species that are working with us: the tall whites, uh, the Nordics, and the, and the greys. Uh, they're working out in the out west. I don't want to say what places. I don't want to be too descriptive because I really don't know. But I know that uh, yes, I think the government knows. Uh, I think uh, Cheney and and Rumsfeld uh, and also uh, old man Bush. I think they all knew what was going on, and Eisenhower actually knew what was going on. His uh, his great granddaughter actually comes on and on some of these shows and and talks about with her granddad. A uh, great-granddad saw, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, he met with the aliens on the tarmac at the Edwards Air Force Base out in California. Uh, he was gone a whole day. And actually, the people in Washington, D.C. were concerned. Uh, and he took off. He only had one or two uh, secret people with him, and he went to the Edwards Air Force Base. And there was a day that he was missing, and what he was doing was meeting with these these tall aliens on the, on the tarmac. And they were drawing up some kind of deal. And this is what his great granddaughter is saying. I just, I just saw her last week on the show repeating the same thing that she, she heard that that's what happened, that Dwight Eisenhower met with him. And even Truman, uh, knew, knew about him. Of course, the Truman, uh, they started, they started that group, uh, the Majestic 12. And that's what they started that group for, uh, was to work with aliens and, and research aliens. And at the same time, spread disinformation, like Project Blue Book. Uh, they were, it was, it was actually supposed to be, uh, spreading disinformation to us, to throw us off track, so we wouldn't think of UFOs. And then Heineck changed his mind about all of it, and he said they exist. And you know, the story from there, he started writing books and speaking, and, and he said that they do exist, and that they were just covering up at the time. So that's why I think the government knows something about it. And I think they do now. I mean, I I don't know how high. uh, They told the president, I think it was uh, President uh, Reagan or something, or or one of them, uh, they said that you you don't have a high enough top secret level. I think it's level 27. And the president has about a level 18 or 19. And, uh, of course, he, he pretty much knows everything, but they don't they don't get involved in the day-to-day routine of a lot of the things that they know that are, that are, uh, what they call crypto, uh, secret and which is dealing with the ETs and the UFOs.
1: Is there some kind of advantage to keeping ET secret or is the government making a mistake when they, when they, um, keep this all to themselves?
0: Well, here's what would happen, Cameron, and I believe this, uh, wholeheartedly. We have a, a religious structure, uh, the different religions, uh, Catholic, uh, Christian, uh, Jewish, uh, Hindu, Buddha. And if they knew that there's life out there and that they were working with us, that would kind of make the religious area or the, the people that are involved in religion, it would tear their world apart because – most even the christian bible says that the man made you know god made man and he didn't make anybody else we're the only life in the universe and that's what we're taught but that's not really true but if people found it out for certain like with the president come up and made a and made a speech about it and told the people there'd be a lot of people that would really be a little bit uh i guess crazy uh so Back back in the 30s, in 36 or 38 somewhere there, uh, when they had this uh, Martian invasion, uh, this story on the radio, uh, and a lot of people started believing that that we were being attacked by Martians, and people were jumping off of buildings. So that kind of previewed the government and and what could happen if people really really knew this for sure. Uh, We don't know for sure, and I know for sure because I've seen them, but. But people who haven't seen them, who have never seen a UFO, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't believe it until they saw one. And that's fine, as long as they don't think the people that have seen them are crazy. Uh, that's fine with me, just as long as they say, well, if I see one, I'll believe it. And I'll, that's, I'll give it to them. You know, that, that's, that's fine. But uh, I think we're seeing more and more today, uh, more than we are, ever are. But I think probably half of them could be our military technology. Uh, that some of these crafts are, are you know that, that we're seeing.
1: So, do you feel we need disclosure from the government? I mean, is this something that you personally need, or do you feel it uh, as a nation that we need disclosure?
0: I think, I think it's time for the people to know because a lot of tax dollars. Uh, $450 billion is going into black ops every year. And the uh, the Congress can't even ask about it. A lot of tax money is being spent. I think the people have a right to know where we're at in the research and the study of ETs and UFOs. Uh, maybe because right now we can't defend ourselves against them because they're highly technical. And you were just saying a while ago our technology is, is boring or dull to them and that's true but that's the reason why the government can't admit it because they can't protect us uh from the ets in case they ever wanted to you know a full-fledged attack i don't think that'll ever happen to say the truth i think they have a, a different way of, of doing things with us i think uh the evolving them working with us and watching us monitoring us i think uh that's that's they're, they're doing this for a reason it's going to be a slow outcome, just like thousands of years of mankind evolving. I think now we're evolving with the ET assistance, and and we're evolving slowly. So nobody really notices it that much. But if you take a look at how far advanced we've gotten since Roswell crashed uh, and other crashes back in the 40s, other than Roswell wasn't the only one, but a lot of back engineering was done. And so we've kind of, in the last 50 years, I mean, look at where we're at. When I was a kid, we were just talking about that. Uh, all we had was a 10-transistor radio and we played outside. Now they have the computers, they have cell phones, they have video games, uh, Every everything to, to, you know, with technology. Uh, TVs even expanded from three stations to about 500 stations. So it's, it's really become, we've really blown up in the past 50 years with technology and we need to have a, a maybe a slower rate because the kids are really getting into the computer so much that they lost track of being human
1: yeah i think we kind of have lost track of being human a little bit um do you think that there are people out there trying to pass themselves off as experiencers but they're but they're really disinformation specialists
0: i yes i do i think there's a mix of, of all types. I, I also, there are, there's a certain number of people, I guess, I, I, I don't like saying this since I'm an experiencer. I, I don't want to knock other people's beliefs or, or what they feel that they've seen or, or done in the past, but some of this stuff could be cerebral. That's why I, I told you a while ago that I need a follow-up fact to try to figure out what happened. Uh, some of the stuff can be dreamed up. You can put yourself into a trance. And I've talked to people who are into the spirituality thing. Uh, they're into the n- new wave of consciousness. And a lot of times they can sit there in their office chair and they said they can go to Atlanta. Uh, those are kind of like with the mind. That, that's that's the mind doing a lot of that, dreaming things up. And we got to be careful that we've got to know for sure, and there's got to be some facts, You've got to see things up front, conscious. I was conscious on, on everything that's happened to me, uh, except for the regressed, uh, dreams I had that actually, actually told me the story or some of the stuff that they didn't erase that come through in my, in my regressions. And I took notes and I wrote it all down. But yes, we got to be careful. There's, yeah, there's disinformation out there. And I ran into one guy I think is, and I talked about that earlier. But I'm not saying that, you know, that everybody that's an experiencer, it's just like right now with uh, Travis Walton. Uh, there's some people saying that he's not telling the truth, and his story's been out there for 30, 40 years, and he's went through about a dozen lie detector tests. This one certain fellow that I talked to you about earlier actually uh, said, Travis Walton, he said, you can take as many as, uh, you know, lie detector tests you want. And you can pass them all. He said, they're easy to pass. And he said, what, what makes you think Travis Walton was, is for real? This comes from the same guy we just talked about. I don't feel like I said I don't want to mention names, but he got into that even. I said, wait a minute. I met Travis three times, talked to him at length, watched a couple of his his conferences, and I believe the guy. And, you know, you can't keep pushing for 30, 40 years uh, the same story without believing it, just like me. Uh, I was 14, and I, I remember that story just like like it just happened yesterday because it was so it was so real and so shocking at the time uh you know that i you know but it's hard for an experiencer to talk down about another experiencer especially when when the uh, when uh, uh, david hopkins david jacobs jacobs and hopkins both they were they were involved in mac also was involved in research and i talked to david jacobs one time at a conference and I told him about my uh, uh, my abduction one night, uh, being hit with electricity all over my body and being frozen. And he told me that he said, you know, half the people that has been abducted, they don't even know it. He says, I said, really? He said, yes. He said, I've interviewed, I said, over 10,000 people. And he said, half of them don't even know they've been abducted. They know that something strange happens to them when they wake up, they say, well, you know what was that? And they shake it off, and they shave, and they go to work, uh, or whatever they crimp up and go to work. But he that that tells me a lot that there's a lot of abductions that are occurring uh, with all of us humans that we don't even we don't even know it. So how are we or how am I to say that somebody else's story or event is not true? Uh, and because they can turn to me and say, well, we don't believe your events either. You know, so it comes to uh, push a and push or whatever, but uh, I, I, I think there is disinformation, yes. I think you'll find it on, on Facebook a lot of times. Uh, you'll see some things in there that are like uh, computer-drawn uh, uh, spacecraft uh, in a picture, and you'll know their uh, com- computer graphics, uh, you, and that's disinformation. That's what, that's what they've been doing. Uh, they'll put those in there and they'll have people pass them around and say, hey, look, here's the UFO. And then sooner or later you'll find out that it was computer graphics. So, uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't know who. Uh, sometimes if you spent time with a person, I think uh, you can tell or I can tell uh, by asking certain questions. Uh, there's feelings actually that come with these abductions. And some of the things that that you, they're just not what you see with your eye. It's how you feel. I, I felt dizzy. I felt nauseous. I felt out of place. I didn't know where I was at. This is magnetic energy. You just, you
1: just described to me every day of my life so far. (laughs) But, but no, I got you. It's, um, so after that initial, um, incident with you and your buddy where you saw a UFO and, um, it was pretty profound, pretty amazing. What, what happened next? I mean, when, what's your next most vivid memory of, of an intera- interaction with a, with ET?
0: Okay. Uh, actually for 20 years after that, uh, I, I, I played music. I partied a lot. I didn't do drugs as a musician, but I drank and, uh, I played music, went to school, worked five, sometimes six days a week until I passed out in front of the mirror shaving one morning. And the doctor told me I had to kind of cut back on something. So, you know, so I, I, I was so busy that I didn't really realize what, what was going on. I wouldn't have known if I was abducted or not. I was probably drunk. If, if I was abducted and in the seventies and eighties, I partied a lot. And, but I finished my education, of course, and then I worked. I, I I did my job, and I, you know, so I was a I was a good citizen, I guess you could say, good taxpayer. So, but it, the first, the next thing I saw things in the sky. I look up and I saw these these orbs. Now orbs to me don't mean much because we don't really know what orbs are. So when when I see a story about orbs over a city, or if I see if I see orbs myself, if if they don't behave in an erratic Way then I don't believe that they're they're ET related, but what I what actually happened to me the next thing that happened to me that I was very conscious about and I I, it, I was it was in 96, 95 or ninety six I'll have to check my notes and we I was with my ex wife we lived in Godfield and I not too far from Alton where they, where I saw the first UFO there was a there was a shadow that come across. The mirror uh, at the foot of our bed, and I thought it was my daughter who'd come into our our bathroom, the master bed bathroom, to get some aspirins for headache. So I called out her name. I was on my elbow, and I looked up and I I called out her name a couple of times, and then this dark figure come around the end of the bed. My wife liked it liked it dark in there so she could sleep better for work. So I said, okay, fine, we'll have it really dark, and so this walked around to my side of the bed. It's only about three and a half feet tall, four feet maybe at the most. And I looked at it right in the face. It had big eyes, but I could see the pupils. It didn't have the black lenses on. This was weird. It was a little gray-green uh, guy or whoever, uh, entity. And he had a lot of wrinkles, and he looked uglier than the, the commercial uh, aliens you see on TV or the smooth skin aliens Uh, this one was really wrinkled and kind of a gray green color and his eyes were big and they had white pupils on them and he had a you know uh, a a dark spot in the center just like we do uh, the iris and everything but he looked at me and I remember fear for about five or six seconds and I went over to my other elbow and kind of leaned at him and looked at him and I was scared I didn't know what was going to happen next and all of a sudden I didn't anything. I I felt very relaxed, very comfortable. Then I laid back down and went to bed. Well, a couple hours later, I I got up and my eyes were really twitching, like something, I don't know, like something electrified my eyes and they were really, I couldn't stop them from twitching. And I asked my uh, wife at the time, I asked her, did you see or hear anything? She goes, no, go back to bed. So I went in the the bathroom and, and washed my face off of cold water to see if I can get my eyes from... From, from moving and twitching. And, uh, and I said, wow, what happened? Uh, and I, I laid back down and I couldn't get back to sleep. This was around, I guess, one thirty, two 2 o'clock in the morning. And I really couldn't get back to sleep after that. My heart was kind of racing. And so I, I had to go to work that morning and get up at 5.30. So it was only a couple hours. So I kind of stayed up and kind of thought, what, what happened to me? What just happened? I, I think what happened at that point, uh, because... Down the line, I can tell you what what they did. They they took semen extraction from me at that point. Uh, and that's what they 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 do. They can do this at your bedside, or they can take you in a ship. If you're if you're outside in your car, of course they're going to take you in the ship. But if you're in your bedroom, they can do the things they want to with you, especially a man. They can take semen, they can take DNA samples, and they can kind of visually inspect you, and then that'd be it. And you might have a mark or a scratch on you, and sometimes, if you're lucky enough, you'll find an implant uh, that they left with you too. Uh, at that time, I didn't notice an implant, or why I didn't find one. They, they could be in you; you don't even know it unless you're X-rayed or whatever. But who's going to X-ray their whole body to find out? Doctors won't do it, especially you tell them the reason why. But I, I found found out that that night something happened. They must have done some test on me or something there at the bedside and I thought why I said oh no now they're back my first thought was they're back but they might have been back even before then but this was the first conscious uh you know uh, sighting that I had seeing an ET uh and and I thought they're back that's the first thing that came to my mind I said oh my they're back and the next day at work I didn't want to tell anybody because they would have thought I was crazy uh so I I didn't I didn't say anything about that. I mentioned it to my wife. Of course, she was she she wasn't in the know of anything, so she didn't really care. So I I didn't have anybody really to talk to. I might have told my mom, and then that's when she probably started telling me. I don't know exact time. She started telling me about the the entities that come in her room, her bedroom, the tall, lanky ones, and she said there were short ones. And and I said, oh my, and uh, I said I said mom, you and I have the kind of like the same background here and she goes, Yeah. My well, older brother even asked me, says so why does she tell you this stuff and not me? I said, Because her and I can share. She she's not afraid to talk to me because I've told her what I've seen and what has happened to me.
1: Pretty incredible, Dave. Um so any other family members experience this? I mean, is it happening as a group? I know I know you have a big family and I don't know exactly who lives in the household with you, but does that, is it well, something that's happening? Is it, uh, does it worry you? Does it concern you from time to time?
0: Well, it, nothing's happened to me in the last three or four except some telekinesis stuff that's been going on paranormal stuff. Uh, in which I'm looking forward to Grant Cameron's research finality. But I, uh, we, we, the whole family, almost half the family saw a big triangle craft come over our neighborhood. My mom lives four houses down from me, and we live on a, like a dead end street. And this huge craft, it was April 9th, uh, it was 2011, and this, this thing come over our, our neighborhood. There's about seven houses. Well, the width of this triangle craft covered the whole street. It was that huge. And it was only about 60 feet, 70 feet above the ground. It actually, it actually kind of scraped off the top of the tree across the, across the road from me uh, coming in. And I stood there in my driveway watching this thing come over. I saw two big bright lights. I was talking to my brother, one of my other brothers. I got eight brothers, or I did have. I lost one here a couple of years ago, but uh, I was talking to him actually, and, and I said, I see something coming my way, and I don't know what it is. It's weird. Two big bright lights were coming, you know about 30 miles an hour, coming over me. And I looked up when it got over me, and I looked up underneath the belly. It had a groove right down the center of it. And in the center, it had a grate. It looked like some kind of a exhaust system or something. I heard a little hissing, a little hissing and buzzing sound. And I saw the two big bright lights on the end. And in the front of the craft, in which I can't explain, were two glass looking globes that hung down about 15 feet from this craft in the front of the nose. And maybe those were some of the, that's where the power, I guess, they, they get. They have this uh, anti gravity uh, power uh, source that they, that they, they, they use. To, and that's what causes the bright light. So the bright lights are not for lighting. They're actually power generation uh, for the ship itself because these two globes in front, and they weren't shining. They weren't bright. Uh, apparently, they didn't need those because they were they were flying so slow and so low. And this thing went over me, and I noticed a little red light on the back middle uh, part of it and behind it. And I watched it go over my house, and it went south, and it went up in the clouds, and it was gone. So the first thing I did was called my mom's house in which two of my brothers were there at the time. And I said, did you guys see this thing? And my mom told me, she said, see it. She said, oh my God, I was scared to death. She said, I was watching out of the patio doors. And she said, I was afraid to go outside. And this was something uh, phenomenal to me, knowing my mom. She said, I didn't want to step out on the porch. She said, because I was afraid of being abducted. I said, wow. Where'd you get that idea, mom? You know, I said, and she looks at me kind of funny, like she knows, like, I guess she's had these experiences through her life. And my other two brothers didn't step out because my mom was afraid to step out. So, but they saw the craft through the windows and they watched it. And, and they were just all, you know, there was just all up in the air. They said, wow, this is, and I said, wow, finally I got, I got witnesses. Now I got three other witnesses to a UFO sighting. I called the sheriff's department. And they said they haven't gotten any calls, uh, by seeing a craft that low. And I, and I said, you probably think I'm crazy, right? And, and dispatch lady kind of chuckled. She goes, Mr. Evans, she said, no, we don't think you're crazy. She said, our officers see, see things like this every once in a while. And she said, I think they're all believers. I said, wow, that's good to know. <laughs> so I, I felt good about that sighting. Uh, my neighbors also have seen some things. These are some other smaller stories that accompany some of these larger events. My neighbors next door, uh, they were a couple, uh, and they were in their 50s, I guess, at the time. They saw a bright light, and in in the, they said it was in my backyard, actually, and the bright light was shining over their property, too. And they said they heard this, this strangest sound. It was some kind of a whining uh, sound or something. And I said, Did you go out on the back porch and take a look? And they said, Oh, no, we were too afraid. We actually hid under our bed. I said, I said, My God. I said, You should have gone out and take, taken a look. And then she told me, She said, Does this have something to do with you, Dave? I said, It might have. I said, You know, I'm not really sure. And, and I, then the next, door, the other neighbor on the other side, On another night, on another different occasion, saw a bright light come down in my backyard. He just had his tooth pulled or something. He was taking medication. He looked out his bathroom window, and he saw this bright light, like a cone-shaped light, come down to the ground. And he said he kept watching it for a while, and he said he couldn't understand what that light was doing in my backyard. And he didn't tell me for a couple of months because he thought I'd think he was crazy. He said, he started walking away one day we were talking. He said, I got to tell you something. He said, I I saw a bright, conical shaped light in your backyard. And he said, it was really bright. He said, but I couldn't tell what it was. It was there for a few minutes. And then he said it was gone. And I said, don't be afraid to tell me that stuff. I said, I said, I'm a UFO experiencer. So I said, I know that that kind of stuff happens. I said, with the experiencers a lot of things," And then my uh, brother-in-law, who's not with us today, but he was also a skeptic about uh, UFOs. Uh, and my brother-in-law's sister was walking out of their house. They were right down the road from me, too, about two, three houses. So we own the streets, our, the Evans. The but they come out of their house, and they saw this tall uh, man dressed in black with a black hat standing in the middle of the field in behind my house. And a storm was coming up, and, it was, and the, the his, his coat was blowing, uh, his long coat. And my brother-in-law stood there and stared for a while. And, uh, and he said, uh, "He said for likes me. I can't. I can't. I don't know what it was." And my mom saw it at a different angle. She was looking at it from her point of view, about four houses down. She was looking and she saw the same thing. And she said, "She said Dave, did you see anything on your?" Uh, on your property? And I said, no, I didn't. I said, I didn't see this. And they're the ones who saw that. So I do have witnesses that that can tell me, that tell me about certain things that's happened around my property. And I didn't really know it. So there's a lot of witnesses that I have that have seen things and seen things that I didn't see, but they they pretty much involved me.
1: So did you and your mom ever get a chance to compare notes? So, you could finally find out what she really knows?
0: Yeah, she she told me that the, they were tall, uh, lanky figures. And I said, Mom, what did they do? She said, well, she said they, they touched me. She said I was frozen. And I said, yeah, that's typical. And she said, but they touched me in places. And I said, yeah, okay, you don't have to tell me. And and uh, she and I think what they were doing, they were following family DNA. We have uh, we have uh, Native American Indian blood in us, uh, probably about fifteen percent Crow. And they said that they followed. Uh, one theory was they followed the the DNA bloodline of of uh, Native Americans. And you know the story of the Hopi uh, out west. Uh, the whole tribe disappeared, and they might have went somewhere else, but. That's one of the theories about the family thing. And, of course, uh, I was told that by, uh, I went to these conventions, and a lot of these people who can't remember all their names, but a lot of, done a lot of research, and they said, if you have been visited by an ET, and if you've been abducted, more than likely you have family members that's also been abducted. And they said, that's a, that's a given. And I so I know my mom has been. My sister, who passed away, I know, there was something going on with her that she was afraid to say. She would never tell us. And uh, and then I have another brother who has seen these triangle crafts several times. And so and my other brothers, I, I've, they've seen craft come out of the clouds and drop down and and just disappear. But so I, my family, they they have seen things abduction wise. I think my mom, maybe my sister, uh, maybe one other brother, maybe has has been abducted and I had another brother who's kind of a skeptic just here a while back I think it's been about well, six months or so ago he said that he felt like something was pressing down on his chest uh you know that could be you know uh, sleep paralysis but he said no he said he said I was able to look around I said did you see anything he said no but I was just frozen he said that like something was pushing down on me and I said for real and he kind of he kind of chuckled a little bit because he is a disbeliever and I said I said now do you believe me that things happen?" And he said, well I don't know what that was I said, well I can kind of tell you what it was it's, you know but uh, I've had sleep paralysis I guess once or twice in my life but I knew what it was I, I kind of waited for my, my brain to catch up with my body and that's what it that basically it is is your brain is behind your body movement uh, yeah. if you know just a few seconds maybe. And I know what that that feeling was. They call it the old hag on your chest theory that they can't breathe too well, but that's been written in books uh, hundreds of years ago. But actually, now the scientific, the new scientific theory is is those are abductions. Uh, and I know how what they use when they do abduct you. There's there's some people who are shocked and electrocuted like I was a couple of times, and I was uh, conscious and very aware of what was going on. And uh, Dr. Jacobs told me that that's what they do when they bring you back. He said, the, the, the energy that comes back with you is a shock, and that's what they're doing when, when, they, when they're done with you. I said, oh, my God. I said, I thought that was a starting. He said, no, that's, that's the ending of the abduction when they bring you back and you, you feel all electrified and you can't move. And I, I said, yeah. And I, he, that's what he told me. But I, I don't know exactly on my first big abduction that I could, that I was wide awake for. I have probably been abducted before. There's no doubt that the little guy did something and then there was so, something else happened. I got so many of the little things, I guess paranormal things that I could talk about that would take up a lot of time. I don't know much time you have, but I'm trying to get to the major uh, event.
1: So let's get to the major event. Um, tell us about that and, and, what was that experience? And, and when was that day?
0: Okay. And uh, one of the major events, uh, it happened in 2010. I went to a, a, a spiritualist or she called herself. She was part native American. She would go into a trance and talk to her guide. So I kind of chuckled about it. Friend told me, go and talk to her. That she's really good. Well, she told me, she said, well, First thing, your back is weak, right? I said, Yeah, I'll give you that. You might have seen me hump over a little bit when I walked through the door. I said, And I chuckled. I said, Yeah, I'll give you that one. And she said, The second thing, she said, Your car is going to be damaged. She said, You're going on a trip soon, aren't you? She didn't know I was going on a trip. But nine days later, I planned on going to Sedona, Arizona. And she said, You're going on a trip. And I said, Yes. And she said, Your car is going to be damaged, but you'll be able to make, you'll finish the trip. And she says, and here's the final thing I want to tell you. She says you're going to meet your first ET on October 4th. And she said, when are you going? Where are you going to be at that time? I said, I guess I might be in Sedona. She said, that's where you're going to meet your first ET. Well, lo and behold, when I got to uh, uh, Sedona, I went. To, I, I I napped a couple hours because I drove 26 straight hours. So I took a couple hours nap and I felt really Really good. Got up, went to this gift shop, and they said there was a UFO sighting at Cathedral Rock. Uh, so I said, "Okay, I'll go there." So I took my camera and I parked, pulled out my camera, started filming, and in pulled in behind me uh, a, a white little car, and then out steps this Japanese young lady. She must have been in her early 30s or maybe 35. I couldn't really tell the age, but she walked up to me like a little like a little puppy. And I was filming her and I said, are you going for a hike on the trail? Are you waiting for some people? She goes, no, no, no people. And I said, uh, I said, are you going to hike. And I said, it might start raining. And at that time, it started sprinkling. So I told her, I said, Do you want to get in the car and we can talk. And so she got in the car and I asked her, I said, are you afraid of me, a big old brute like me? She goes, no. I said, well, you can kick my butt then. I was trying to be funny and joke with it. She goes, yes, I can. I said, whoa. And she said it very seriously. She had nothing on her. No, She had no cell phone, no purse, no makeup, no earrings, no rings, nothing. She just had a, a light, white-like sweater, and she had uh, blue jeans on, denim. And there was a mud streak uh, pattern on one of her legs of her jeans that she, that she said she has been hiking, and she got, she got dirty. But most young ladies I know would actually change clothes and not wear the same one all the time, basically with the mud on it. So she talked, and she was trying to elicit emotions out of me, in which right away I kind of I kind of read this book that they walk among us, and I read some other books that, that said that these people that are hybrid will try to elicit emotions from you, and they'll, they'll be real friendly to you, and they'll attach themselves to you, and that's exactly what she was doing. But next to me, they pulled in another car. And it was a young guy, maybe 25, maybe a little older. He had a short haircut, and he had he had a headset on. And he did not look at me one time. I felt it was kind of strange. He didn't move. He just stayed there. And I looked at him, and I looked at her, sure. and she kind of gave me a look like everything's okay. She had really dark eyes, and they were piercing. And when she when she looked at me, I just can feel the the, the energy. It just went to the back of my head, and I told her. I said, that was her name, or at least that's what she said." I said, "Your eyes are so piercing; they're just going to the back of my head." And I said, uh, "Wow!" And I said, "I thought my eyes were strong." I said, and then she went on to talk. And this guy pulled out, uh, and then she went on to talk about that she had. She said, "What would you do if this if this this uh, fellow employee that you're working with?" didn't like you and always made things rough on you. I said, well, I'd try to talk to him. I said, we couldn't talk. I said, we just keep our distance. I said, but never take it into a fight or a feud. Just back away from it. And and uh, she goes, yeah. And she said, then she started crying. It was a put-on cry. I knew it was put on. And I, I thought she doesn't know how to cry too good. And I suspected her kind of right off the bat because of the strangeness. And then this guy pulls in again, this young guy with a headset. And I thought, this is getting scary. I turned to her and I said, do you know him? I said, this guy bothers me. I said, is this a setup? And she looks at me, and she, when she looked at me, she kind of told me, never mind, don't go for that gun in your console. I had a license to carry a gun. I had a gun in my console. I was looking at the console, and I was not ready to get it out. And it's kind of like she looked at the console and looked at me, and she knew exactly what was in there. And she was reading my mind. And I said, I told her, I said, I hope this is not a setup. And then I just relaxed. Uh, he pulled out, and then he'd come in a third time, and I was actually kind of used to it. He was kind of keeping track of her, I guess. He was, He was her security. There's a sponsor. If you read these books about the hybrids, there's a sponsor. There's a security person. That, that supports them the sponsor is, a, is an earthling that helps helps them navigate uh, the human uh, uh, social life and then there's security that keeps track of her to make sure that she doesn't get into some trouble or, or she does something wrong or or lo and behold she has to you know uh, melt me down or whatever but uh, but that's that's how I felt I, the whole thing was coming together like that and I and I talked to her a little bit more. I said, how old are you? She, she looked at me really stern. She said, why do you worry about age? She says, there is no age. I said, yes, there is, but I'm not going to argue with you. you. know, I said, I, I didn't want her eyes to burn through my head. So I said, yes, yes, okay, we'll forget about it. So what happened was I told her, I said, okay, it's getting late now. We've been an hour and a half talking. And so we took off. And I told her, I said, I'll meet you for breakfast the next day if you got to leave, uh, the next day. And she goes, okay. And I told her where apparently she was able to find her way there. And we, we met there and had breakfast. She didn't eat much. And then we went uh, touring around Sedona. Uh, then we went back to another place and had a, had a piece of it. She left. And then she, when she left, uh, she just waved her, her hand at me and, and she she wanted the pictures. I took uh I took about nine pictures and I, I had the nine pictures, but she wanted copies of those pictures. And she gave me some email address. I guess it was an email dump that everything went into and I sent her the pictures and she was happy about that and I didn't hear from her anymore after that until April the following year and this was in Godfrey. My cousin and I was sitting, and this is the second fact that, that proved to me that something was weird. And this person, I see, I had some doubts after the meeting in Sedona. I had some doubts about what, what am I believing here about her? Am I believing that she's a hybrid? Well, I need to prove that. I don't, I don't really know just yet. So April 11th, this was a, this was, I think a couple of days or so after the big sighting I had. She uh, no, this was March twenty. No, March seventeenth. This was St. Patrick's Day. I'm sorry, I got my dates messed up. It's St. Patrick's Day. About seventy-two degrees, really nice outside, for Illinois. Uh, March seventeenth. Cousin and I was sitting on the porch, smoking cigars, and which I shouldn't have done, but we did. But we were smoking cigars, and here come these three Asian people walking towards us, about two hundred feet away, and they were walking from the road, and couldn't figure out where they came from. And then about halfway, the lady, in which was dressed just like Kuroko, folded her arms just like Kuroko did. She stayed, she turned her face away from me about 125 feet, 140 feet away from me, something like that. She turned away from me so I couldn't see her face. And these two young Japanese guys, maybe 15 and 17 years of age, come up the driveway. And my cousin said, uh, he said, who are these Chinese? Do you know them? I said, they're not Chinese, or Japanese. I said, I might know them. And they, they walked up to us, and they asked one question. Where was the new Walmart? And it was over past the overpass. And that was a strange question, to be walking that distance and coming with that without any transportation, no car or anything. And so they stood there. And while they stood there, we were dumbed down. This is the feeling I was telling you. I, I felt really like like I was, like I was high on, on some kind of alcohol or something. And I couldn't say anything. I couldn't talk. I was wanting to ask him if that was for Roku. And my cousin, he's a big-time talker. I mean, he'll ask people 1,001 questions in, in just five minutes. He didn't say a word. I was wondering at that time what was wrong with him. He wasn't even talking, and neither was I. And as they were standing there, they just looked at me and looked at him, and I didn't really realize it until later that one of them walked in my house and got a hold of a, a brown satchel. It was actually a pleather. It wasn't leather. It was, it was pleather that I used to carry my UFO notes. Well, I he looked into it, and he looked over at me while he was looking into that satchel And at the time, I couldn't figure out what he was doing because I guess I was dumbed down. And and they get, they have you like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in an operation where they give you a twilight shot. Sure, yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels it feels like that. That that you, you know everything's okay. Everything's fine. These two. Then they started walking away after that, and then when they got about halfway to the girl, I noticed them, and my cousin didn't notice them until they were almost to the to the highway. And he said, he "said What just happened?" I said, "I'll tell you later." And we watched them as they went to the road. And no sooner we said something to each other, we looked and they were gone. They didn't go down the road or up the road because we could see both ways very well. And they didn't get in no car. They were just they were just gone, just disappeared. And he said, he got up and he says, I don't know about you, Dave. He said, I know that you you've been involved with these E T stuff. He said, But well, this is crazy. He said, I'm scared shitless and he said, I'm I'm gonna leave. <laughs> So he got in this truck and he took off and I asked his wife the next day. He, she said, oh yeah, he was really scared. She said, what happened? And I told her. And uh, this is when I kind of figured out that this this person, Hiroko was for real.
1: So I would have the same reaction. I mean, that would scare the shit out of me as well. Um, so why not you? Why? What's Your reaction is different. Um, you don't seem to be intimidated. You don't seem to be worried. You don't seem to be... Um, have a feeling of lack of control, which which I think I would. Do you feel in control of the situation? Do you know where it's going? I mean, summarize this whole thing and what you've told me tonight. Where do you think it's going? Um, and what is your purpose in it?
0: I think my purpose has, has been served already, Cameron, uh, because actually I haven't had any really, my wife and I have seen a couple of UFOs in the sky at night traveling on the interstate highway and she thought she always looks up now and she'll ask me she said is that a UFO and I'll say no I mean I can identify them since I've seen five of them I know I I know you know you watch for the for the for the aeronautical lights on a on a plane or a helicopter and so you know what which is which but what I think the sad thing and this is I had a I have a buddy that That writes books, ghost books, and he's into all everything paranormal. He told me that I was brave. He said, and he said that I have enough stories to, you know, to write a screenplay for Steven Spielberg. I said, I said yes, I, I do, and they're all true. I and he said you're not afraid. He said you go out to Sedona and you keep going out there, looking for this stuff. I said yes, I do. I'm looking for answers. If I can be a platoon leader in combat and and be cool and calm, I, I can do this, I said to myself, I want to know who these people are, who these entities are, what are they doing, and I want to find out some, some you know, some stuff or some uh, technological stuff that I could, you know, I can kind of chew on for a while, but I never get it. Uh, the only technological stuff I see is what I see on the craft, and and I do, After afterwards, I had a regression. About the lodge that I was staying in when I met this, this, uh, hybrid uh, gal. And I had this, the regressed dream that I was in my room in the lodge and I was right in the place where I usually sleep. And I had this, this dream where my one right leg was in the air of the knee and they had this little tan brown hose going towards my groin area. One of the comments that she made to me the night before or the night, yeah, you know, the next day after that, is that she told me that she needed a baby. And, and I said, are you married? She goes, no. She says, not married. I said, why do you need a baby? And so that was kind of a giveaway for that, for that night. I guess later on that night, the people that she was with come there and extracted DNA uh, from me or, or semen from me. And because I looked down, I saw the, the brown hose, and I was real sleepy and groggy. I tried to kick it away. And all of a sudden, when I tried to kick it away, I fell back to sleep again. So I didn't know what happened after that. But the regressed dream that I had a couple of years later told me what happened. They got me up out of the bed. One of them had me by the, the right elbow. And uh, the other one was at my left side. Shining a light in my eyes and my face, it was about six inches long, is a cougar-shaped light, and I remember it was bright, and it hit my every time it hit my eyes, it hurt. So I turned my head, and I saw another uh, person or entity sitting at this little table in the room, and I was looking at the patio doors of the lodge, and they walked me back and forth to the patio doors, and they were taking this this light in my face, and I knew. Two years later, exactly what they were doing is erasing my memory. And just about a month ago, scientists come out and said that they can change your memory by light frequencies. Uh, not E.T.s, but we can. Uh, they're working on that now that they can actually change our our our, our brains, our memories just by a light frequency. And I thought to myself, well, I knew that I knew that six years ago or seven years ago. And, and they're finally starting to talk about it, that light frequencies can control our brain memory and thinking. And I thought, oh, boy, all this is kind of coming together, and I'm getting picking up these little facts and these little tools that I can use to determine the truth.
1: Incredible, Dave. What do you, what, <laughs> oh, go ahead.
0: Cameron, I can, tell you, I can tell you right now, it's the truth. Uh, little things still happen today. Like I told you, the little, the little, uh, A-ports that, uh, Grant Cameron, he took, uh, I got pictures of the A-ports that he wanted. Right. He's going to put it in his book. Uh, he's going to put those in his book. He was fascinated by the, by the four different colored, uh, plastic little discs that I have. There were left, uh, two of one of them was left in the bathroom right in front of me. When I bent down, I looked. That was the first one. I thought, okay, the first one that, that, probably come off of a a piece of clothing or something so I put it on the dresser and I think it was about a month later I was changing my pants at at the bedside and I looked down and there was another one this this one the first one was kind of like a dark gray this one was kind of like an eggshell white and they were and I put the discs together they had the exact same size exact same uh, width and I thought oh boy something's not right and I said I even looked all over the house to see if I could find them anywhere, or I looked on the internet to see if I could find the size. Uh, these were smaller than the ones I found on the internet. The bingo, the little bingo plastic things that you put on your, your bingo card. Well, I was looking for those, those game chips, they call them. And I couldn't find any of them that was this size. They were, uh, you know, so it was kind of, I, I thought the second one, that was weird, okay? And then the wife and I, she got a job up in the, in Fairbanks, Alaska at the, at the DOD, the the military base. And so we went up there and I was, uh, we were leasing a house from a couple people and he was a scientist and he, he worked at the, uh, at the Fairbanks, uh, college there, University of Alaska. And he worked there on the government jobs and he did a lot of uh, government scientific things that in the Arctic uh, and he worked with the biological sciences he was an older gentleman he was about five years older than me and his wife they were really nice a couple they were they were from India and very smart and i went with him to a couple of meetings with a rotary club and uh, these were all scientists and everything i sat there and i, I felt wow i'm mean you know I'm, I'm in high cotton now you know with all these scientists so we had a lunch and and that uh, and then I come home, I changed clothes, I reached in my pocket to empty out my left pocket, and something was sticking to my finger. And when I pulled it out, it was another disc. And this time it was kind of like a copper colored disc. I, I looked at it, oh no. I sat down on the edge of the bed and this thing still stuck to my finger. And I had chills all up and down my whole body. This was, the, that was a scary one. Who could have put that in my pocket when I checked my pockets before I left the house? And they were empty when I put things in. And then all of a sudden, I was at this meeting, and somebody put a, a little disc in my pocket. And I, that, that was the one that really scared me. Uh, about six months later, uh, the wife actually—we were walking towards the car, and there was a red one in the snowpack. It wasn't—it wasn't there very long because it would have been punched down in the snow. Further. So it was timed just right to where she looked at it first, and she said. Honey, is that, is that one of those red discs? Uh, and I picked it up and I said, yeah, it is. It's it, it's the same disc. So explain that, you know, explain what those are. And uh, uh, But Grant Cameron got the idea that they could be telekinesis, that we're doing it ourselves. We're drawing things from another dimension. I don't know. It's a theory that he's working on.
1: So, do you still feel like you're connected and can, um, at will, maybe, summon some sort of visitation, or is there a disconnect and, and is this going to be a thing of the past real soon?
0: Well, I see little things happening. Just yesterday, something happened weird, and the wife and I can't. Re- uh, we we don't know what happened. She was making eggs, and there was a couple of eggs left in the, in the carton. And I told her, I said, I said, there's another uh, carton in the refrigerator. And she goes, oh, uh, and she, she didn't need any more eggs. She was done. She just had the two. And so she told me, she said, did you put those eggs on the counter? I said, no, I didn't. She said, I didn't either. She said, now the eggs are out of the refrigerator and on the counter. I guess what happened during our conversation, there must have been some telekinetic energy that, that put these things where they're supposed to be, and I've I've had other things that happen. I've had some of my UFO materials disappear just here a while back, and it was I, I some of my notes, and, and it, was, it was actually those those four discs and a couple other things that I had that, I, that was dropped off to me, and they were gone. I couldn't find them, and for a whole month I tried to figure out what went on, where they at, and I looked in the same box for the third time. I looked in there and there they were. They were in the box, but they weren't there two other times when I checked them. These are the crazy little things that happen. Uh, this uh, telekinetic, uh, dimensional, uh, whatever. I do know there's another, another side to all this. And, uh, in that, in that first big abduction I had where I was almost electrocuted, I heard this snapping and crackling next to my bed. is really loud. It was like taking a big box of saltine crackers and stomping them with your feet. And it, I turned around to take a look at what it was. And and then that energy hit me on the shoulder, on my right shoulder. I was laying on the bed, and it was broad daylight, 1.30. And I wasn't sleeping because I had my, my left arm up, and I was, I was kind of leaning towards the, the, the headboard. And I could see out the door. It was bright and sunny that day. It was 1.30. Like I said, I just laid there, to stretch my back. And then all this happened in just that short period of time, that I laid there. But I remember feeling really tired at the computer. I was doing some paperwork at the computer, and I thought, well, I'll rest my back. And I went and laid down. That's when it happened. And then then I tried to move, and then it hit me again. And it kind of hurt. Yeah, It hurt, but everything was just numb. I couldn't move. I couldn't move anything, just my eyes. I could see out the door. And then I heard a voice say, Dave, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. And that was my sister's voice, who died four years earlier. And uh, I thought, Sissy, come to the door where I can see you. Come to the door. So I was very conscious. I could see out the door. I knew the sunlight. She said, I can't. I can't. And then at the edge of my fingers, my left hand, there was a, a little hand that dropped in my fingers, and I felt of it, and they were baby fingers. So I pulled on the fingers, and I pulled on the palm, and there was actually a baby's hand. I thought, oh my, what is going on here? And I was able to think and I was able to see out the door, but nowhere else. And then something heavy sat beside me at my hip and I felt, Oh my goodness, what's next? And then that's when I kinda lost it. Uh I do I do get scared, you know, just uh at it, the final moment when I don't know, I'm not in control, I think when I get most scared. And and I hollered out, God help me and a few seconds later it was gone I was able to move and that was the biggest uh, abduction i guess thing that's ever happened and i was I was shocked again one of the times was about it was about a month later it, it visited me again hit me on my my right shoulder again and i tried to push away from it and i thought i pushed it away and dr jacob said no you didn't push it away they were done with you and that's when i was really uh, surprised so that's part of my conscious abductions. There was three of them. I had my finger almost blown off the tip of it from that electrical power, and I wasn't anywhere near uh, electrical devices uh, in the bed. And that's where they usually mess with me in, in in my bed, because I was single at the time when most of this happened. Uh, so that was an easy an easy thing for them to do. Uh, I didn't even have a dog at that time either. So. Those are those are the experiences that I can't explain. I haven't had those experiences lately. I've had some kind of like weird dreams or some things like knocking or something and that's that could be dimensional a lot of people think are ghost but actually that could be ET or dimensional entities and my wife would hear them and she says your friends are back so, so see she knows she knows my history she knows things that have happened between her and I with these entities. And she said, your friends are back. And so I said, wow. I said, I don't want to scare her. You know, she's not really afraid. She tries to, you know, she, she just prays to God that, that nothing's negative or nothing's evil. And, it, and, it, and they, the evil stays away from us. I don't think they're negative or evil. They, they've they hurt me a couple of times. They they pulled down on my right foot one night. And I it almost like broke the big toe. Whatever it was, it pulled down pretty hard. I think they did that to wake me up after an abduction, uh, so I've had a heart condition, so maybe they might know that. And that's why people ask me, so Dave, didn't you ever go through a horrific, painful uh, abduction? I said, not really. I said, some people go through some horrific things that happen to them, but sometimes it's hard for me to, to believe some of the things that people are consciously aware of and seeing. Uh, and Travis Walton, the reason why they took him on board ship is because they killed him. They stopped his heart, and he believes that to this day that that's why they drug him back on board ship. And there was uh, a, an object that was laying over his chest. It was like a little, like a little, I guess a, a little uh, table or whatever that they were doing stuff. They brought him back to life, and he jumped off the table. So his circumstances were were kind of different in that way that I think he was able to see the, the little uh, ETs, the grays that were messing with him or doing things with him. And he kind of chased them out of the room and then he walked around the ship and he saw some things. And if you know his story, then I don't need to go any further on it, but his story is very believable. He's had, he had five days lost time and he had a beard and he showed up on the side of the road and they dropped him off and they flew away. But uh, he ran into tall Nordics, uh, very he said, shapely human beings, very tall, uh, seven feet or, or more, and he said they were very beautiful people. Said there was a man and a woman. He thought they were with Nassau, and he thought he was being saved, but he wasn't. Uh, these were, these were ETs. They were the the tall Nordics, and uh, so that's when they put him out with a face mask. And they didn't want to put him out anymore with any other uh, device, maybe electrocution or anything, because of his heart. Afraid they're going to solve his heart, so they put a mask over his face and put him out. And that's when he, he said he found himself laying beside the road. So each person has a different experience.
1: Very different experiences. So, in your opinion, or is it your wish that this chapter in your life be over? Do you want to lead a normal life, whatever that might be, from now on? Or do you want the learning, the experiencing to continue to Fulfill some other part.
0: I'd like, I'd like to meet these entities that have done this to me, or, or uh, worked with me, or encountered me. Uh, I've seen other things. I've seen like strange people. Uh, these are walking amongst us. Uh, there was a. I can tell you a couple of quick stories here. I was at a. I was at a nightclub with my two brothers and we were going to sign a contract to play there. This was back in, uh, I think, 2012. And uh, this girl was in a black dress. She was with other girls from a party or something, and she was in some kind of a black gown or something. And she was about 24, 25. She went over and she started, she played a Michael Jackson tune, she started dancing. And she was swirling around the bar and and the stools and stuff. Then she, she danced over to me with her hands out. And she looked at me and I thought, wow, why is a young, attractive woman like that dancing towards me and not my two younger brothers and which were better looking than me? And I thought, something's wrong here. And I think what it was that she knew uh, that my DNA was charged. They call it, I heard the name called enlightenment. When you get charged by these ETs and, or spiritually, you're enlightened. And maybe that's the term they use but when your DNA—I have electrical charges in me. As uh, a matter of fact, so they're picking up on that. Uh, but I thought—I didn't think nothing of it at that time. About two weeks later, we were in there to finish out the contract talk, and we were sitting at the bar, my other brother and I, and, and there was this girl about a uh, seat or so away from me. And I asked my brother, and I said, "Isn't that the same girl who was in that dress here about two, three weeks ago?" He goes, "Yes." And, and, uh, said it looks like it. And she just had a, like a tank top and she had, she had denims on. And she sat there. And when I looked around at her, her eyes moved, but her head didn't. And when her eye moved over to the poor right, there was a slit. It looked like a lizard eye. It was green with a green slit. I froze. I sat there and I turned back around and I froze. I asked my brother, I said, did you see that? He said, see what? I said, never mind. I'll tell you later. But that was, I think, somebody walking around and shape-shifting. I guess you've heard of that That's, sure. uh, uh, that science of shape-shifting. The Indians know a lot about it. They don't even want to talk about it. So, But that was a shape-shifting situation that I noticed. And they, they do notice people that have had implants, you're marked. They can tell by some kind of aura. I had another guy that told me his his experience. He was in the military in the Air Force, and he was in this nightclub, and he said there was this really gorgeous girl that come up to him, and he said he was tall, lanky. He didn't think he was anything special, but he said he. Uh, she said, she said, what's your phone number? what, what rumor are you yet, and he told her, and later that night he went to bed. He didn't think she was calling, but she showed up. He said about 1, two o'clock in the morning somewhere, and she come in. And she and she practically raped him, he said. And he said they had had sex for a little while. She got dressed and, and just walked out and that was it. So he thinks that that was some kind of a uh, hybrid that was that was collecting same and whatever in a different way, I guess. But the, I've heard stories of that nature and I seen uh, I've seen people just disappear on me. I had a guy I was in Cabela's, Looking for some sharks to go out west. Uh, apparently, they know your every move. They know where you're going to be. Uh, they they have some some control of time. They they know where you're going to be in the future, and that's where they they meet you, and that's the intersect that they have with you. Well, I was in the Cabela's and I was standing there looking at the sharks at a round rack, and here walks a guy in. Looks like about a five six hundred dollar suit. He's about uh, six foot four five. Uh, kind of a big guy, close-cropped hair, looked like an FBI agent. He stood there and stared at me. And I was looking at him. I was thinking, well, what's going on here? Why is he standing there and staring at me? He didn't utter a word. didn't say a word, but he just kept staring at me. And I thought, okay, I'll put the shards in my cart, and I looked at him, and he was still standing there. And I said, I don't know what to say to this guy. What's, what's up? But he, he finally kind of gave me a dirty look, and he turned around and walked away. He went down this aisle. I followed him around that aisle, and he was gone—just disappeared. Uh, I think these are dimensional entities, or human uh, entities that come in and out uh, the veil, the thin veil that is with the dimension.
1: What do you tell our listeners? I mean, what's if you were to, uh, if you wanted them to, um, in in one short paragraph, to to put all this information together in in order to process it, what do you want them to know?
0: I want them to know that there's another side. There's a dimensional side. We're very close to it. Uh, And when you hear people talk about dimensions, that's what the ETs, I think, use a lot of times to cross over. Uh, Also, ETs are invisible. So if there's uh, like paranormal activity or a poltergeist, that could very easily be an ET. Uh, that that uh, has crossed over, as, or either that, or it's come from the ship, and they and they and they're just here, uh, you know, moseying around, looking at things or checking people out. But what I'd like for people to know is that number one, I'm truthful. I have no reason to lie and make this stuff up. It's happened to me. Do I feel? Do I feel like I've been uh, blessed in a way? Yes. Uh, some of this stuff makes me feel very spiritual, and people can actually get a spiritual feeling out of having that type of encounter with a with a dimensional, or with a hybrid, or with an ET. Uh, a lot of times, but I hear a lot of horror stories, in which sometimes I'm wondering if if the if the pain that they have or the horror that they have are are just attached to bad dreams that they have about a situation that they're not familiar with. Uh, I mean, they may not hurt them too much at all but they might think afterwards it was horrible and they remember different things about it uh, that could be the difference in, in, in the, the different experiences but to sum it up yes I would like to know more and for the people out there who's listening to me i like to tell them this is truthful and I hope that someday that they get a chance to see a UFO up close I don't wish for them to be abducted I don't want anybody to, to have to go through that some people can't handle it. Uh, some people have a, have a weaker constitution, or they're not as brave as some other people. And since I'm a callous combat veteran, maybe that helped me get through some of this fear. But I just told you, I did have fear a couple of times, and, and the, the fear goes away. But then after that, you say, I want to know why. And then the big question is, and I want other people to know, a lot of experiences ask the question, why me? We talked about the DNA, we talked about the family thing, we talked about Native American blood. Uh, so, the why me is, is very questionable, they, they, uh, 50% of the people on earth have been touched by ETs or abducted and they don't even really realize it. That's what I want to sum that up to, that uh, they probably have had experiences they can't explain and what has happened is they've been abducted.
1: Good thoughts when you ask why me also ask why not me it's been great to have dave emmons in the studio tonight and get firsthand insight into his experience of the unknown dave emmons it's been amazing to speak with you tonight nice to finally meet you thank you so much
0: thank you cameron and uh uh, thank you for allowing me to to uh, talk about this on the radio because i want the truth out there my
1: alien life podcast You can find my website at www.myalienlifepodcast.com and please subscribe to my latest downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and at podbean.com and please follow me and like me on Facebook and Twitter. My Alien Life is written and produced for broadcast at Studio 254 in the Northern Rocky Mountains. The music you are hearing is produced and created by Elion. You can find all Elion's work online at Heart Dance Records.